It was when my son was, oh, I think he was probably um, eight or nine years old, and I don't know if he's listening or watching, he may correct me, but he was about eight or, uh, eight or nine years old, and in those days when you ordered um, cable, when you got DirecTV or whatever, you could pay them to install it or you could install it yourself. Remember those days? And I was cheap, and so that's what I was doing. And so I had a long coax cable that was on the outside of the house, and I was drilling a hole. I drilled the hole through the siding and through that cavity and through the sheetrock so I'd have a hole there I could stick the thing through. And I tried to stick it through, and it kept going, you know, janky. And so I decided I would take a hanger, straighten it out, tape the hanger, cut it into a thing, tape it to the end of the coax cable, and then feed it through the hole. Guys? <laughs> right? That sounds good. You with me? So as a dad, I, said, I wanted my son to be involved, and I said, Tyler, I need you to go inside the house, and I, keep, I want you to keep your eye on the hole. What could go wrong? Keep your eye on the hole. So I'm outside, and I'm pushing, and I'm poking, and it's hitting the stuff, and finally I go, ah, the scream of an eight-year-old boy. And I run into the house, and he's holding his eye, and he had put his eye on the hole. Literally put his eye on the hole, and I had shoved the hanger into his eye. Yeah. Whose fault was that? So we debate this. In fact, it'll come up today, I'm sure, at Father's Day. He'll come up, and he will tell his version of how that happened. We spent the afternoon at the doctor, and they put dye in his eye, and I made a nice big scratch on his eye. And yes, he's still bitter to this day. It's important that as fathers, we are clear, that we are clear. Where we come to this morning in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to pick it up at verse 13. We looked at 13 last week, we're going to include it this morning. It, the, the sense I got as I was preparing for this, and of course I was thinking about Father's Day. This is not a Father's Day message per, per se, but what became very clear to me in my study of this is that Paul is speaking like a father to his kids. And we've looked at all the different aspects of his frustration, his emotion, his, his passion. Paul wants his spiritual children to understand something. And it's right there at the beginning of verse 13. Do you see it? You were called to be free, brothers. Don't use this freedom. Don't waste this freedom. It's a father speaking to his kids, and he wants his kids to understand his heart. We can take the heart of our heavenly father that Melinda prayed for this morning, and we can take the heart of God and lay it over this, and I hope that we can hear the heart of God, our heavenly father, saying, I want this to be really, really clear. I really want you to understand this. Now, in my situation with the the wire, maybe I should have thought about it. I, I didn't. He can see fine. Yes, thank you for being concerned for him. But he's still bitter. His, his, his inner eye is a little bit bitter. But I wasn't concerned about that. But if I would thought about that, then I probably would have come inside and I would have said, okay, now Tyler, I'm going to stick this wire through there. Be careful because it's sharp and I don't want you to get hurt. But I really need you to tell me when the wire comes through and then I want you to pull it through, okay? Are we clear? Now, as an earthly father, I went, hey, keep your eye on the hole. <laughs> You know, shove it through. The heart of God, the heart of Paul. My heart this morning in this time that we have together is I want you to hear God's heart very clearly. Paul wants 
the readers of Galatians to hear God's heart very clearly. I want you to hear, I'm not a pastor this morning, I'm a father. Okay, let me, that's how, my new hat's a, a father. I want you to hear my heart. Because I'm in alignment with Paul, with God, that we need to clearly understand the heart of God. That he has gone to great lengths. In fact, we could argue that from before we, we were even created and physically brought into being, God's heart was for us to be free. For us to be free. 2020 revealed a lot of things, and one of the things that it revealed is that we are not living as free people. Whether it's fear or anger or, or political hopes or in any aspect of life. When the world looked at the church, they saw by and large what they saw when they looked elsewhere. There were exceptions, and, and I'm not beating us up. God was really faithful in 2020, and he grew us inwardly, outwardly. But let's just be honest, it revealed that maybe we're not really living like free people, the people that God called us to be. Maybe we don't fully put into practice and enjoy and experience the freedom that that cross is meant to provide. You with me? This is the heart of our Father. This is the heart of Paul to the Galatians. This is my heart for us. This is my heart for my own children. You were called to be free. This is God's plan. This is his redemptive plan for mankind. Brothers, don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to do what you think is best, but serve one another through love. That should be highlighted in your Bible. should be highlighted on the screen. Serve one another. If in fact I have been set free from death, the fear of death, my physical death is not the end, my life continues. You with me? If I have truly been set free from the power of sin, and I've been set free from all these things that, that Satan and my flesh and, and sin want to entrap me in, if I'm truly free from those things, then take that freedom and love other people. Serve other people. Now next week we're going to, and you guys, are, many of you are waiting for this. Next week, it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? This is the big, this is the, if, if there was a, a movie trailer for Galatians, that would be the movie trailer. You know what that guy's voice, for the fruit of, once upon a time, there was the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and it would be like, ooh, I want to see that movie. We're going to get to that next week. But right before the fruit of the Spirit is the works of the flesh. We're going to do a comparison next week. And so you can read ahead, but when Paul says, don't use this freedom for the flesh, he's going to lay that out exactly what that looks like in a few verses. You take the freedom that you have, and you love one another. Now, I hope this next statement takes on a whole new meaning for everybody in this room. Because now we have the context of Galatians. Those of you that have been here... This whole series, this whole journey of Galatians and, and circumcision and the law and the gospel. Notice what he says. The entire law. Okay, these Judaizers have been telling you, you've got to be circumcised with Jesus. You've got to keep the law along with Jesus. You with me? You tracking with me? He's been building this case, this whole thing. Here, listen, listen to what he says. The entire law. All that the Judaizers, all that has been conveyed. It's all, you, you want to you be in alignment with the law? Okay. You don't have to be circumcised. Here's what you have to do. You see it? It's fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor. 
No, 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 the law is fulfilled if I'm circumcised. The law is fulfilled if I keep all the rules. The law is if I keep these dates and these... It's all, it's all good, but you can fulfill it all just by loving your neighbor. You see it? Don't look at me, look down. Or, oh, I guess you're looking at the screen. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I said, you see it? And they're going, it's like, okay. I really am a father this morning, and you're all my kids. That was the, I recognize that look, Jason, yeah. <laughs> the entire law is fulfilled. It, it literally reaches its, its climax, its end. It's, fu- it's fulfilled. It comes to fruition in this one truth. Love your neighbor as yourself. I found this word neighbor interesting. It, if we just distill it down, Jesus used it. You remember he told the parable. It means, it means outside of yourself. It means the other. An interesting picture? Who's the other in my marriage? No, it's me. Pretty much me. That's ridiculous, right? The, the women all laugh, and, and you're an idiot, too, for thinking that. You know, it's her, it's, it's, her. It's, it's, not, it's not this, it's not me, it's not my wishes, my desires, my needs. It's the other, it's the person outside. In my neighborhood, who is the other? No, it's me, come on, it's my house, my yard, my dog, my parking spot. No, you're right, it's the other, right? It's the, na- it's the other side of the fence. You with me? This is the word for neighbor. You remember the people of Jesus' day struggled with that meaning, and so he had to explain it with a parable. But Paul uses that same word, you love your neighbor as yourself. If you, if you want a truth statement, here's how I would encourage you to write it down. We're called to use our freedom to love like we want to be loved. We're called to love like the way we want to be loved. As I understand my relationship with God and I understand more and more about his word, I discovered that love is mercy and it's forgiveness and it's grace. It's patience. You, you with me? It's the loving kindness, the chesed in the, in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, God's loving kindness. And as you walk through the Old Testament, you see God, Jehovah, giving his people chance after chance after chance after chance and revelation after revelation after revelation. And here I am, here I am, here I am. You with me? As I come to understand that, I realize that's how God loves me and that's how I want to be loved. And so when my neighbor does whatever, how do I love him? I love him the way that I want to be loved. And guess what? I want mercy. I really do. And I want grace. And I want your patience. I want your gentleness. I want your kindness. I want the fruit of the Spirit. That's how I want to be loved. Because I'm going to blow it. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to let you down. I'm going to drop the ball. I'm going to say things I shouldn't say. I'm going to not do things I should do. You, you tracking with me? As I look in the mirror, I, what, how do I want to be loved? And the Father, Jesus will say it. We'll see in a minute. Paul's saying it here. Okay, you get that? That's how you love other people. Yeah, but I, how do I do that? Well, you've been set free. You don't have to worry anymore about your standing with God. He loves you. You've been adopted into his family through Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. You got nothing to be afraid of. You got nothing to be angry about. You're loved like never before. Oh, this is freedom. What do I do now? I'm free. 
love others the way you want to be loved. The entire law is fulfilled in one statement, love like you want to be loved. We struggle with the definition of freedom, do we not? Okay, I'm, now, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm an American, I'm a Californian, and so everything in my world, in my existence, teaches me that freedom is this, I can do what I want. That's what freedom is. I can go where I want, when I want to, do what I want to, say what I want to, where I want. That's what it's become, right? Land of the free. Is that really God's definition of freedom? See, the, the, the human definition of freedom has only one half of it. God's definition has both halves. The human definition zooms in on, dude, I'm free. I don't owe anybody anything to anybody. God's view of freedom is, I've set you free. You no longer need to fear death. You no, no longer need to worry about your sin. I've covered it. We have this relationship now. You're in my family. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never give up on you. The work I started, I'll finish in you. I could go on and on and on and on with Scripture. I've set you free so that now you can love other people. I thought freedom was kind of self-centered. It, it's about me. God says, no, freedom's not about you at all. Do you get that? Do you hear that in, in the pages of Scripture? Freedom is not about you and me at all. It's about those that we get to love like we want to be loved. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Even the Creator Himself, when He stepped into human form and He was born and He grew up and He lived His life, even Almighty God did not come so that we would go, oh, and serve Him. He came so that He could serve us. And isn't that the greatest definition of love, that one lays down his life for his friends? For even the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom. See it? He's modeling that for us. His definition of freedom is that we're, we're saved free from something to something. How many times have we experienced in our life when we have been set free from an addiction or from a, from a habit or from a debt or something, and now we've got this void in our life and we, this space and we don't know what to do with it? And nine out of ten times, what do we do? We fill it back with something that enslaves us all over again. You with me? Can we just acknowledge that as human beings? I've set you free so that now you can love others the way you want to be loved. I just, I leave this thought with this question. I've asked myself all week and I encourage you to write it down and ask yourself, maybe not in this moment, but in the coming days, who is, who are the others in my life? I need to identify and write them down on a piece of paper. Then I can look at them, those names and say, am I loving them the way that I want to be loved? We can do that, right? We may not like the results. I got my wife's name, Becky. I got my kids, my grandkids, my son-in-laws. I've got this list, neighbors, you. Some of you are on there. Not all of you, but the, no, you know, you're on there too. There's too many of you. But you make that list. Who are the others in my life? And am I loving them the way that I want to be loved? Take a journey with me through some scriptures. Jesus said this, and this is where we, we really, our minds go when we think of this idea of, of love. Jesus is responding to that young man that asked him the question, and how do I inherit eternal life? How do I establish a relationship? How can I 
establish a relationship with God. And in that dialogue, that interaction shows up in three of the Gospels. Luke records it this way. Love the, records Jesus saying this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Everything that you are, quoting from Deuteronomy. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. In a few of the Gospels, it says, the first and greatest commandment is love God, and then the second is like it. Remember that? Interesting, okay? The first and the second. Here in Galatians, almost feels like the first is missing, doesn't it? All the law is fulfilled in love the Lord your God. No, all the law, Paul says, it's all fulfilled in loving your neighbor as yourself. Paul, where's the love God part? Leviticus says it this way. Moses said this in Leviticus. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbors as yourself. There's a message from, from Yahweh. It's what Jesus was quoting in, in the Gospels. Galatians chapter 6, we'll see it in a couple of weeks. Carry one another's burdens. Love each other. And in this way, in doing this, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now that phrase, most scholars believe, is a reference to Jesus' response in the Gospels. This is the law of Christ. To love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. You with me? Paul seems to think that. The law of Christ. Look at, or follow, or listen to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want to do, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. That's called the, remember, nobody remembers the golden rule anymore. Jordan, do you remember the golden rule? I don't, I don't know if we even teach that anymore, if that's even talked about. The golden rule is do unto others as you would have them. Did you know that was biblical? That comes from scripture. Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, the way you want to be treated, do the same to them. Love others the way you want to be loved. And it says, this is the law. This is what the law and the prophets are all about. So when I read the Ten Commandments, I read the Old Testament law, I can read it with this filter. It's all about God telling us, telling the Jewish people, telling humanity, this is how you love others. This is how you love others. Don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, don't commit adultery, don't, you, you, right? Honor your parents. Hi, Mom and Dad. I honor you this morning. I'm in obedience to one. Okay, you with me? Sorry for that distraction. He says, this is what the law is about. This is what the, prophet, this is what the Old Testament scriptures are about. That we do whatever we want others to do for us, we do for them. Romans chapter 13, the commandments... Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covenant. Whatever other commandment, all are summed up by this. Okay, here Paul's going to tell us, right? The law is summed up in love the Lord your God with all your heart. You ready? Do you see it behind me? The commandments are summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Is there, is, there, is there a conflict here? Because Jesus said it this way, all these other places, no, there's not a conflict. We bring it all together when we bring in 1 John chapter 4. Because here's the reality. They are inseparable. They're inseparable from each other. I can't do one without the other. I won't do one without the other. The disciple whom Jesus loved said this in John 4, 1 John 4. If anyone says, I love God, okay, I got that part, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he is mistaken. 
He's what? He's a liar. Or let's make it a little bit nicer. It's not true. <laughs> He's deceived. You're foolish. You don't get it. No, you're a liar. You probably do get it. If someone says, I love God, but I hate my brother, I'm a liar. For the person who does not love his brother that he has seen, they're in each other's lives, they're interacting with each other, they cannot love the God they have not seen. So we have this command from him. The one who loves God must love his brother. You get it? Jesus is not speaking out of order. Of course not. And neither are these other guys. They're inseparable. They go together. One is dependent. They're dependent upon each other. I can't love you, my brother, if I don't love God and I haven't received his love. And if I don't love you, I can't say that I love God. That's tough, isn't it? You got that list of the others in front of you? Go back to that list. So, well, I don't, I don't think God's calling me to love that person. Then don't say you love God. Am I, am I, am I twisting it? I don't think so. I don't think so. The one who loves God must love his brothers. And then this, this apostle, the apostle Paul, speaking on behalf of God, and let me just add, as a father to his children, he gives them a warning. He gives them a warning. He says, and I, I say, watch out. He says in verse 15, but, here's the warning. The freedom you've been given, the freedom you have in Christ, use it to love others the way that you want to be loved. But watch out. Care, hold on a second. I need to warn you about something. If you choose to bite, and it's a, it's a Greek word that simply means with teeth. I have a dog. I have a German shepherd. She's big. She's a baby, but she is intimidating in appearance. And there's a couple other dogs in our family, smaller ones, that come over, and they want to play with her, and she wants to make sure they know that she's the, the, the queen of the house. And so she does this thing that still to this day is intimidating to me. I'll be sitting there on the couch, and I'm watching them, and she's sitting there, and she. She is a beautiful German shepherd, majestic. Her ears, she's just a gorgeous dog. And then she does this thing where the sides of her jowl, I don't know what these are called, but they roll up, and all of a sudden there's these two big fangs. She just goes, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's a little intimidating. All of a sudden these giant teeth are sticking out there. What does she do? She's showing them her teeth. She's saying, you know what? If I chose to use these, I'm going to do some damage. I'm what? I'm, yeah, that, she thinks, yes. That's this word, it's with teeth. If you choose to bite each other with teeth and then to devour one another, watch out. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be consumed by one another. It, it's this picture of how do you, you know, this, yeah, it looks like a good donut. Can I eat this? You guys okay, Ben, if I... Mm. I'm going to talk with my mouth full. I'm going to follow Jeff's example. Whatever that noise he made. You know, you just, I just take a bite. There's a lot of donut left. How do you... Um, how, do you how do you eat an elephant? What? One bite at a time. How do you destroy a relationship? It's not a big deal, right? I've only had a couple bites. How do you how do you destroy a marriage? How do you 
destroy a friendship. How do you how do you destroy a church family? One bite at a time. One harsh word at a time. One gossip at a time. One social media comment at a time. One snub. One look the other way. One indifference. One bite at a time. That's Paul's warning. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you destroy what God wants to be good? One bite at a time. And he says, be careful. Because, you know, I'm just having a bite. Oh, you don't know. I'm not worried about my appetite for lunch. I'm not worried about my girlish figure or my handsome figure, whatever. But if I keep doing that, what's going to happen in a few minutes? It's going to be gone, yes. It's going to be, Paul's word, consumed. He says, you will consume each other. Here's your choice. In Christ, you have freedom. It's been given to you through faith, his grace, his mercy. You're set free from those things. Now take your freedom and love one another the way you want to be loved. But watch out, because there's a part of us, a big part of us, that just wants to you know, show my teeth. I don't like what you did. I don't like what you said. I don't like you. Right? We do that. Come on, let's be real. I can't even put my finger on it. I just don't like you. You rub me wrong. We have a bunch of phrases in our vocabulary. Just one snub, one harsh word, one indifference, one look the other way, one fail to invite. We can make a long list. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you destroy marriage? One bite at a time. One showing of teeth at a time. One little bite, one little bite. Because... Paul says, watch out, watch out, because before you know it, the donut is gone. The friendship is gone. The relationship is over. The church family is split. The child and parent are estranged. Are you with me? This is, t- this is tough stuff. Paul, as a father, speaking to his kids, says, watch out. There's going to come a day, if you're not careful, where there'll be nothing left to devour. The donut's gone, the elephant's gone, the relationship's gone, the marriage is over, there's nothing left. So Paul, what do we do? If that's your heart as a father, if that's God's heart for us, where do we start? How do we stop? Depending on where you're at right now, one of those questions makes more sense than the other, right? Where do we start? Where do I start? Or how do I stop? Look at the next verse, verse 16. What I tell you, what I say then is this. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. He's saying so much in that verse, and we can just imply some of layers in there, and I'll just I'll pick one. You can't do this in your own strength. The intent of this morning, my heart is, as a father, God's heart, Paul's heart, is not to make you feel guilty about something that, you know, you've been devouring others and you're going to go from here and by sheer willpower you're somehow going to change that. You will fail. You will fail. You might make it for a day or two. You might make some surface changes. You might learn to walk. I didn't know she was walking. But you will fail. That's not, that's not what he's saying in walk in the Spirit. What he, or what he is saying in that is you can't do this on your own. You can't walk in your own strength. You can't will the relationships and your behavior to be different. You have to choose to live in freedom that he's given you, and then you need to choose to take that freedom and say, I'm going to use my freedom to love other people the way that I want to be loved. And Paul, this is going to be hard. It's hard for a moment It's exceptionally hard for a lifetime. How many years of marriage this year? 
38? 38 years in July. It's been incredible, but it's been hard. And I'm saying, yeah, she, she's got a whiplash. She's shaking her head so hard. You know, you can talk to her afterwards and she'll affirm that. I love this woman to death, but it's been hard. It's hard to choose others. It's hard to love others the way you want to be loved, to, love, to put them before yourself. It's impossible to do it in your own strength. He says, walk in the Spirit. That's why the Spirit moves in so that I can actually live this out. I say, if you walk in the Spirit, Paul's speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. You'll not do what comes naturally. How many would just raise their hand with me and say that, man, the mouth and what comes to mind to come out of my mouth is probably my biggest challenge. Okay, look around. And if you don't have your hand up, I'm going to pray for you because you need, to, you need to join us in this club. Right? James tells us that, right? The mouth is impossible. The, these thoughts, these desires, this, this anger, fear, all the works we'll see next week of the flesh want to just come out of me in my relationships. Paul, what do I do? He says, walk in the Spirit and you won't carry them out. You won't act on them. You won't fulfill them, literally. The desires are what the flesh wants. Because here's the truth. The flesh desires, covets, longs for what is contrary to what the Spirit wants. The Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God desires, wants, what is contrary to my flesh. They do not agree. You with me? My wife and I go shopping for something. I worked in Lowe's in the paint department. I ended up becoming a marriage family therapist, counselor in the, in the paint department. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. It's like every day, husbands and wives, oh, I want this, no, I want that. And I'm just standing there, and then I would have to step in. Because we go shopping, what color do you want it? And man, she has a, usually a beautiful idea of what it should look like, much better than me. However, I think my way is better. My color is better. I want this. And if I'm not walking in the, fle- in the Spirit, even in that moment, you know what's going to come out, right? My flesh is going to come out to manipulate that situation to my liking. The flesh and the Spirit do not agree. These are opposed, they're literally set against, they're polar opposites to each other, so that you can't do what you want. You can't do what literally you love or take delight in. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Isn't that interesting? You know why he says that? He says that because the law's purpose is to reveal our flesh. You realize that? He said it, the law reveals me in my flesh. Adultery, theft, lying, stealing. And then there's really horrible things. You read through Leviticus. I would never, we would never. Yeah, we do and we have all through history. There's nothing new under the sun. And you read those and you're like, oh, really? Yes. And you look at our history. You look at governments. You look at countries. You look at how we're treating each other today. The law exposes that's who we are. So when he comes to this last statement, this point, he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not living in the flesh. You're living in the Spirit. So I would say this to us this morning. Choose a side. Choose a side. And my options are the Spirit or the flesh. My options are me, this. It's okay. It's all right. 
or the spirit. I got to choose one or the other, the light side or the dark side. The flesh would be the dark side, right? The selfishness of my flesh. Under the law, I will devour others with my flesh, through my flesh. Led by the spirit, God will love others through me. You've been set free. You have freedom in Jesus Christ. What do you do with that freedom? You love others the way that you want to be loved. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. But beware, there's a danger. And you're going to have to choose your side. And it's not going to be this morning. I'm not going to have you all come up here. Yeah, yeah. Those moments are great. But it's when we leave this place. And we're together today for Father's Day. We're at a restaurant. We go to work. In our lives, you're going to have to choose. I'm going to have to choose each of those moments. Because that's what life does, right? It stirs things, it causes, you're like, ah, and either the flesh or the Spirit of God dictates what happens next. You with me? This is the heart of God. This is the heart of Paul. This is a father's heart that wants his children to understand clearly the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. As we wrap this up this morning, I want to I let you know that we are going to, in a few minutes, we're going to come to the Lord's table, and so I say that because we need to prepare our hearts, and we'll give some instructions in just a minute, but those who have put their faith in Jesus, we're going we're gonna to come to the Lord's table, and our worship team is going to come, and they're going to be a part of preparing us for that, and we're going to worship this morning, but as they're coming, and this is coming to an end, I, I want to say something about fathers. We're very quick to devour our fathers. None of us have had a perfect father. Sorry, Dad. About as close as I can imagine. But none of us have had a perfect father. Would you affirm that? None of us have been... (laughs) None of us have been perfect fathers. But boy, are we quick to devour our fathers. And how do you devour a father? What? One bearing of the teeth at a time. The Spirit will lead us to love our fathers no matter what kind of father they are. Melinda prayed for that this morning, didn't she? That's the heart of our heavenly fathers, that we love our fathers the way that we want to be loved. Don't love your dad the way he loved you or failed to love you. Because what you've just done is you've just chosen your side. That's the flesh, is it not? Well, do you know how he treated me? He wasn't there, he did, and I can go through my list, and so this is what he's going to get from me. What side have I chosen? I've chosen the flesh. My father was less than perfect. There were some things I wish he had done, things I wish he hadn't done. You know what? Let's just be real. My dad was absent or my dad wasn't there or my dad was not a nice man. Whatever the, the fill-in is. Now what are you going to do? Because you've been given freedom in Christ. What are you going to do with that freedom? I'm going to love him the way that I want him to love me. I'm choosing the Spirit. Because if I walk in the Spirit and I allow the Spirit then that's the life that I'm going to live. Yes? That's the heart of God. That's the heart of Paul. That's the heart of a father. And so I want to challenge us. I'm challenging myself. If we've been guilty of devouring our fathers one bite at a time, I want to encourage us in the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to love our dads the way that we want to be loved. And if you're a father right now, you have children, young or old, adult children, speaking to myself, Love your children the way that you want God to love you.
Don't love your children in reaction to what they're doing or not doing or whatever stage or season they're in. Are you hearing me? Choosing the Spirit of God is choosing to love our children the way that we want our Heavenly Father to love us. Would you join me in preparing your heart as we come to the Lord's table this morning? I just want to say a few things and then I'm, I'm going to pray and there'll be some music playing and from that music playing we'll move into a song. When I pray, then you're free to get up and there's stations around the room. The elements are there. Let's be respectful of each other. This is a, a moment of worship and you can get the elements and bring them back to your, your chair. If you're married, you can go as a couple or as a family, go to the table and get the elements and come back and you can drink that cup and eat that bread and, and do it in remembrance of him. I want to direct our hearts to Romans chapter 7. This is the Apostle Paul again and he's describing, some say he's describing his life before Jesus. I believe he's describing his life in Christ. The, the spirit is not mentioned here and that's why people think that but if we take the whole context, I, I really believe he's expressing to us this choice that we're having to make. Living out this freedom because the flesh is the flesh is still there, the spirit is still, and they're, they're against each other still. There's still this, this conflict. And so he says, I don't understand what I'm doing. Anybody relate to that? I don't understand why I keep burying my teeth. I don't understand why I keep the same patterns. I keep taking the same bites out of people. I, I don't understand what I'm doing because I don't practice what I want to do. I want to love. I want to love the people in my life. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be led by the spirit. But I end up doing what I hate. Oh, I hate myself after I take another bite out of somebody. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it's good because it, it, it just reveals what I am. So no, I'm no longer the one doing it, but it's the sin. It's the flesh and the sin in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my flesh. There's nothing good there. For the desire to do what is good is in me. That's the work of the Spirit. But there is no ability. There, no, I can't do it for I do not do the good that I want to do but I practice the evil that I don't want to do I keep choosing the flesh what a wretched man that I am is that the end of the story no because church this is the end of the story it's the beginning and the end of the story he says what a wretched man that I am who can set me free from this dying body from this life here in the flesh I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when I come to the table in obedience to his command and he says you drink and you eat and you do it in remembrance of me, one of the things that I'm remembering is I eat and drink remembering that Jesus died on the cross for me to give me freedom so that I could live my life to love others the way he loves me. And he gives me victory over the flesh by his spirit. Thank you. There was one woohoo. I expected more. So I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying, you're invited to go to one of these stations. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's invited you to the table to eat and to drink and do so in remembrance of him and proclaim his death. Proclaim his freedom in your life until he comes. Father, thank you for your heart towards us. Thank you for 
telling us the same thing over and over and over and over, knowing that we need to hear the truth over and over and over so that it can be clear, your heart can be clear to us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and living amongst your creation so that you could give your life, sacrifice your life for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being willing to come and live inside of these broken, redeemed human beings. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for staying in the battle. Every time we give into the flesh, every time we take a bite out of another person, every time we, we act on the flesh, you're right there calling us back, offering us everything we need to walk in your power. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. As the band plays, you're invited as the Holy Spirit prompts you to one of these tables, let's eat and drink and do so in remembrance of him.